Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 350. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by, oh, let's see, at this point, oh, we're, we're, we've been married for many, many years in the podcasting sense, uh, Charlie Carden. Precious and few are the moments we do get to episode 350. Oh, we did it. 350 sounds like a big deal. It's not like, it's not a, an even, it's not a, you know, a hundred number, or it's not like a 400, 500, but damn it, it's closer than 200 was so i like 350 and i even like it to the point that our cover is our cover which we'll talk about in a second here very exciting definitely definitely and a rare event we have a repeating guest after last episode uh katie i will not destroy your name katie <laughs> quinn Pershawn. yep that's right I win for i pronounce well <laughs> well yeah, thank you I'm- for joining us again yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of fun last time. And I guess, you know, you all think I did a pretty decent job. So, you know, pretty you're having decent. me back. So either you're masochists or you had fun, too. I, <laughs> I, I, I won't, I'm not going to I'm not going to go one way or the other. I, I, I won't lie. We were looking for someone to see Eternals. And to be honest, <laughs> I know. It was, there was a, a choice it, of one and that one was me. I get it. That's fine. It was, there was there was one slip of paper in the hat. Let's yes. just put it like that. Yes, there we go. I put my hand in a goblet of fire. It's fine. The, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and potential spoilers. I, I, I'm surprised Charlie decided to be on this podcast to talk about Eternals. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was, I was writing the line. There's no doubt. I was trying to figure out a, a, both the time and actual interest in seeing it. Um, but we, we will get to that in a bit. No spoilers. You'll hear about no, that at the end no of the show spoilers. when we get yes. to the Thunderdome. Yes. Well, one yes. thing, uh, one thing I, I do want to jump into, this is issue 350. Obviously we're, we, uh, often reflect on the comic book cover that matches that number. I have talked many, 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 many times about my love, uh, for the Mark Gruenwald Captain America run of the late 1980s. Uh, the, the, the bulk of which ended with this issue, Captain America, uh, 350, which was in, I'm going to say, 1988, if I'm not mistaken. But it was uh, Steve Rogers, who had been stripped of the title, versus John Walker, who was a psychopath who was given the costume and then kind of lost his shit, kind of like in the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV series. He just kind of flipped out and started killing people and whatever was a bad scene. They finally crossed swords. They fought it out. And then, of course, very predictably, at the end of it, Steve Rogers gets the costume back. But it was great. Uh, it was a culmination of a, a really long, like a two-year two run, or over, almost two-year run, uh, which had some really crazy stories, including Ronald Reagan becomes a uh, snake, uh, a literal snake, uh, which, Todd, I know we talked about not that long back. So I love this run. It'll always be one of those perennial favorites that I pick up every couple of years and read again because it's it's great and it's stupid all at the same time so but i've always loved the captain uh costume i've got a friend of mine who's supposed to finally finish it for me so that cosplay wise i will have both of the costumes that you see pictured here the comic accurate captain america which i wore a couple of episodes back for a halloween episode and then this u.s u.s agent slash the captain uh outfit with the big unnecessary belt but i love (laughs) it 
I, I have a, I have a question for Katie. So, being a uh, artist like yourself, I look at this cover, and it's so interesting that it's essentially like very. Um, what's the best term to put it this way? Um, balanced in a way, mm-hmm. and also the captain's uh, outfit. It's just black. It's like there's no detail to the black portions. So, I'm like, as an artist, like you want to do something easy, just make it all black. Apparently, <laughs> and, and half the job is done. Well, and it's the funny that you mentioned that because in Charlie, with you mentioning the big belt, that's part of why they have the belt is because drawing those perspective that they have to do in comics, they look really, really weird with foreshortening when they don't have like the, that's why like Superman and Batman have underwear um, on right. the outside. And it, was and the so, sa- it was the same with these. Thank two goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. goodness. That can be very embarrassing. You know, there's, right. you know, depending <laughs> what happens. Otherwise they would have to wear in cosplay and Katie, I'm sure you appreciate that as a cosplayer uh, for male cosplayers, they have dance belts or, mm. you know, that I, I wore, I have this one undergarment that I don't, that I won't wear anymore. called it a compression suit, but it looks like, an old timey circus strongman outfit where it's got the straps and stuff. Jack, my backup it's terribly. Manx. So it's I, Manx. I just, That's what you're wearing. It's just Manx. I, is it? Is it? Per, is it Manx? I just I just won't mess with it anymore. I Manx. can't handle it. Yeah, Manx. Manx. Yep. Manx. So anyway, cool. It was a cool arc, and again, it had some backup stories. One of which was drawn by, written and drawn by John Byrne, which I love. And then you had some retrospective stuff about different people who had the name of Captain America. So anyway, kind of end of an era um, of that, and then. Todd, not long after this, we did get Cap Wolf. So, you know, things just went woo for that. It, it, it only went up from there, Charlie. Right. <laughs> uh, it was a dip and then it went back up again. But anyway, speaking of dips, uh, okay, that's not a great transition. But anyway, uh, let's. I dip. was trying to figure out where you were going with that and I had no idea. <laughs> so let, you, your instincts let's. were correct. But. <laughs> As Todd was, I'm sure, going to say, why don't we dip our way into an Uber? We'll get down to the corner of Hollywood and find, check in with our senior news correspondent, Madam Webb, for all the rumors and news. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, Madam Webb. I thought we were going to let you and Katie connect have a ladies' night out, go to TCBY and have some yogurt and, uh, you know, just reminisce about the good old days. And I don't oh, think we it do happened, that every Katie. Weekend. No, we do oh, that you every do week. now. Who do you think taught me how to have awesome blue hair? It was Madam Webb. Whoa, oh, good catch. That's a good catch. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, well I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And, you know, her, her uh, homicidal tendencies will probably be coming down over the years. So that's good to hear. Let's Calming hear influence. That's good stuff. Well, without further delay, uh, first up we have the the magnificent, the uh, I, uh, she who is without qualification of any kind, Linda Carter, looking to return to the Wonder Woman averse, one of the uh, surviving properties of Flashpoint. I'm assuming uh, what we're getting out of the Flash movie, we're kind of getting a lot of stuff to go by, but they they still want uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman around because the first movie was good. <laughs> But no, I, uh, Linda had a yeah. great cameo at the end, uh, playing. I'm it was honestly right. my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, for a lot of people's it was. Yes, I, I yeah. think I could have closed my eyes for two hours and been like, "Oh, it's Linda Carter." Now it's time to go home. What was it? A yeah. meme that I saw about that movie that? Uh, oh, Wonder Woman was uh, Wonder Woman three was so bad people would have left the theater. And the commenter said, "Wonder Woman three was so bad I left my own house." <laughs> you mean two? I, I mean, I yes, have. Two. You can you can see. I stand for Wonder Woman. Um, she's she's one of my favorite, and 
we watched it on HBO Max, and at a certain point, I got up to get a drink, and Aaron asked if he wanted if I wanted him plus. I said, "Don't, don't even bother. I don't. No, I'm we're not that invested." I really hope that like I'm I'm gonna hold out because, like you said, the first one was really great. I'm really excited having Linda Carter have a more major role. Maybe that will you know, sparks Elevate things. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, I really hope that Jenkins takes into consideration, like the feedback that she got from mm-hmm. the right. second oh. one. And we can have this be something good. I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree because again, I think uh, gal puts on a magnificent portrayal of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lin- Linda in her time did the same thing, uh, certainly mm-hmm. for her time in the 1970s, without a doubt. But um, they would. What was the name? What was the name of her character? She was an, an ancient Amazonian who had been oh, around for thousands of years. I'm drawing a blank. I think it started with an A. Is Asteria. It, yeah, Asteria. Is it, yes. Is it? And I bet if we keep scrolling, it'll show up. There you go. Um, so to me, to me, th- this sounds fascinating. So mm-hmm. I am down. I assume this is going into production probably next year if they're talking about casting and getting things rolling. Uh, scripts scripts being done now. They talked about a DC fandom that was going to be a go. And mm-hmm. um, I will be curious to see what they do because Patty Jenkins was fully like her and Jeff Johns were fully like they own the script and everything. So maybe right. a little bit more feedback, some, some constructing on it, maybe some different writers could definitely help move this forward because the first mm-hmm. movie, except for a few quips and columns I had about it, I thought did a great job um you know it's always hard to reclaim that magic with the dc they really haven't had you know they've struggled with that second one under this current uh you know ownership or whatever leadership of the series so we'll see because they've got a lot of sequels coming out shazam's coming out uh that sequel we'll see how aquaman 2 comes out but we also have some new ones coming out so i hope this does well because it's such a great character great actress patty jenkins is fantastic fantastic director so i don't know what what missed i mean it was supposed to come together i i liked the cast and yeah just just did not work for most yeah. people so cool deal nice all righty all right well, Tad, this this next one was yours so go for it yeah this is an interesting story because harry potter's in a weird place right now um uh, and Katie, you may hear have heard about this, but that Harry Potter game, the mobile game that is by the people of Pokemon Go, so you think, oh, that's going to be huge. It just closed. It made like forty million dollars versus Pokemon Go's like three billion dollars. Um, right, right now the, the Harry Potter video game that was supposed to be coming out for consoles has been delayed, um, mm-hmm. and, and the uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Essentially, they lost Johnny Depp. He's no longer going to be in them. Those movies have not really resonated with anyone. And I and the third one's coming out with a new actor. So at this point, Harry Potter doesn't, and especially obvious controversy with the creator. I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of taking it apart from her because she is who she is. But this series is loved by billions, and that's the thing. They're still right. fans of the the art versus the artist. Sadly, um, so beyond that, so it becomes where do they go next? Because after the next uh, Fantastic Beasts. I think Warner Brothers owns the film rights, so they want to obviously continue this. It's a huge moneymaker. There's a Universal Studios Park. They want to keep going forward in a different light. So one thing that has come out since that's canon for Harry Potter is the um, – it's it's called – I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's a play uh, called The Cursed Child, and it's yeah, essentially yeah. a sequel to the books and movies where it's Harry Potter in the future – uh, where he's older, and it's about his son or his his children. Um, and it's about Harry and Draco's children. So, 
and Chris Columbus is saying he wants to direct this. So I don't know if this is something is like, I need the money. I want the work. I want to make, I want to will this into creation or if this is even possible because this has only been a Broadway play and it's only been scripted in that format. So to make it to a movie, it's going to have to move forward and, and, and the creator still has a hundred percent creative control, I believe of all this. So regardless of what has happened, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I mean, is this the right direction if they want to continue with Harry Potter or do they, should they do something different? I honestly think they just need to like buy, um, buy the creator, um, completely out of it. Like Rowling can't be a part of this Rowling or Rowling or however you say her last name. Um, she, she can't be a part of the industry anymore. Like they need to just buy the rights completely from her because I know that uh, even people who are fans of it, they're like, yeah, I'll read the books I have, but I'm not putting any more money into it because it's like outright transphobic as she is. Right. A lot yeah, of people she, just don't want to support her. And very I, toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially when you're talking about like, the people who are most influenced or who had a very heavily influence was like my generation and younger. Like they don't, they don't, they're like, okay, you want to see capitalism work? Then fine. We're not going to support you if we don't like you. And for better or worse, that's like, you know, people talk about cancel culture and it's that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you told us that our dollars count. So we're making them count. And if we don't like you, we're not buying your stuff. It's financial democracy. Yeah, yeah, that is true. She has made, I've, I've seen a couple of tweets where she said, Oh, I already have your money. So I don't care what you think. Well, if you don't, yeah, if you don't have my money, then, well, maybe that's a little bit more influential. Yeah. Right, exactly. And at that point, it's like, yeah, you might, but you're not, like, if you're not getting any more, at some point, that's going to suck for you. Right. <laughs> well, and it's also going to probably, uh, probably push Warner Brothers in a certain direction, regardless, because mm-hmm. they want to make more money. So they right. can't be in that position because they're a corporation. They want to bring people into their platforms. And if she is driving potential consumers away that is just just even from a dollars and cents i don't know what it would take mm-hmm. it if she's if she's that just stubborn and would say no i'm never selling for any amount of money then right. yeah that puts warner brothers in a weird position because then it becomes well what the hell do we do right. um and then the other part is i i think the equation is i've not seen creators i think the only there's only one other creator i could say who is so out there in their mm-hmm. anger and just i i it just whatever you want to call it i mean hate of a specific group of people. And it's like, mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. And it just, it just, it's very odd. It's very, yeah. very odd. Where usually when they say something controversial like that, they're like, Oh, we're just going to step away and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And like, and she doubles. Never hear out. from again or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, which means mm-hmm. she really feels passionately about being mm-hmm. hateful, Yeah, which is just, is not, you know, you just, you've, you've kissed a goodbye. You, you picked a hill to die on and die. You did. Right. You know, yeah. Bad call. I mean, as much as I love the Harry Potter, I mean, I'm, I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm going to be honest. And, you know, I, I know my house. I took that quiz. I'm going to be honest. But I'm not going to purchase any more Harry Potter stuff. Like, Right. I, I'll, purchase, I, I'll purchase off-market fan art from Etsy when I know it's not going right. to her. I, I, <laughs> or make your own. Yeah. Yeah, or make my own. I, I have, actually. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a lifelong fan of Bill Cosby since I was mm-hmm. – Ten, 10, 13 years old, and uh, when the news broke of his decades-long legacy of drugging and raping women, I deleted all of his stuff from my yep. hard drive, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I will I will never support him again for the same reason that I won't eat, eat at Chick-fil-A. I will not give money to people mm-hmm. who hate and, and, and hurt other people. I just yeah. can't. just can't do it. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird world we live in, everyone. But the, I, I always say this, probably, there is so much entertainment out there that really, quite honestly, it's, it's too easy to just say, eh, I'll skip that because I'll find something I like better. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Excellent. Correct. 
So, Todd, this next link was a broken link. I, I didn't find it. Oh, well, Katie, this is your story. So we'll just let you know the link Whoa. does not work either. Yeah, so all right. So you're going, yeah. you're, going, yeah. you're going freestyle, my friend. You're going freestyle. <laughs> Here. Uh, try that one instead. <laughs> um, basically, it was just a story that I noticed earlier this week and um, image uh, recognized recognized but didn't recognize the fact that um, some of the members of Image Comics have decided to form Comic Book Workers United. Um, so they're pushing for a union, which um, I, I come from a union family, so I am, I'm pro-union. I like the idea of worker equality and having a fair shake on stuff. Um, I didn't love the fact that um, Image is waiting for the National Labor Record recommend or a relations board to recognize the union instead of just being like, yeah, unions are cool. That's great. Especially with the way that it was formed um, or like this, the um, origins of image being more, you know, uh, creative control left to the artist and left to the content creators versus the DC and Marvel kind of ideas of it. So that part kind of bummed me out, but I'm, I'm really excited nonetheless. And I hope that everything goes well for um, the new comics union. And hopefully that means it'll roll over to maybe DC and Marvel so they can not have such awful wage practices. <laughs> right. And Todd, that's definitely something we've talked about, the pay to play mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. the legacy of, you know, the families of Kirby and Ditko and a lot of those other guys who aren't Stan Lee, who just got the shaft. They've seen no dollars from anything that Disney has done. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, t I, t I totally agree with you. People should be compensated and treated fairly and, and you know all those things that unions are sensibly, you know, to provide beyond the, you know, the Jimmy Hoffa's of the world, you know, you definitely want to see that kind of thing happen. So I'm in complete agreement. Yes. Yeah. This was unique. And I wasn't hundred percent sure because yeah, image was formed to have creator rights, mm -hmm. uh, writers and artists. I just don't know how far down that goes though. Is it the inkers? Is it the letterists? You know, I, I just don't know how far those rights and getting, uh, paid back. But the other part of unions is, and we've seen this with comic book writers and people from that talent, uh, from that, uh, you know, live livelihood, they have no, um, healthcare. They have no, you know, no, no safety net in case anything goes wrong. They have no residuals of their art and, and their hard work. Um, so this is, I, I think, Katie, if I, if I think about this, if it goes broad, this is like not even against a specific company. That's like every professional that works for a comic book company should join this collective bargaining, mm -hmm. bring up the smallest, the, the largest creator can bring up the smallest creator. And make everyone get their fair share of what's right because uh, these comic companies are making a lot of money, and I think they need to take care of the people that make their art, make their work. So this makes total sense. Oh yeah, I mean, especially because I mean, there's this kind of you know, and I'm I'm gonna go off as as the you know artist background of you know a lot of people are like, oh well, they should feel fortunate for drawing comics because they love drawing comics or they love creating stories. It's like, well, just because you like what you do, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be compensated fairly for it. And so I am very much a fan of, you know, paying people fairly for, you know, the skill because it's not just a talent. It's not something that like I didn't wake up, you know, one day and be like, I know how know how to draw now. So I'm going to draw. No, that was, you know, 30 plus years of me you know, putting pen to paper to figure out how to do all of this. So it is a very learned skill and they should be paid for that time. That's awesome. I have heard about artists doing something called stack social. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like uh, newsletters that you subscribe to and you pay to it. And they, that's how they distribute their material. 
um, and people. It's basically directly paying the artists things. Kind of like it's kind of like a Patreon, but it's a little bit different in the visual arts area. It's almost like it's some people have called it like the, the modern zine, which I always, Charlie always jokes about zines. Cause remember back in the day, you'd get like somebody would publish a zine and have it at a comic book shop and pay three bucks for it. But yeah, wow. so it, I, I think there's going to be ways, but that only works if you're a known entity, I would say, and you have a large following. If you don't, it's very hard to make hay. Yeah. yeah. And um, webtoons is another one. That's um, a very interesting format, especially when you find an artist who knows how to use their scrolling format. Um, there's quite a few comics that I've read on it that, have just an, um, really changed the way that the panels are built when they're thinking about it versus flipping a page and then scrolling on a screen and you'll watch characters like fall from panel to panel or something like that. So it's really, really interesting. Well, probably that's like the, the Marvel, uh, the, the Marvel, uh, Unlimited, they created Infinity Comics, Katie, and it's exactly that point. Yeah. It's using yeah, the medium exactly. to tell the story you scroll I'm up. Pretty and sure it, they yeah. got that, that idea from... Oh, sure. Off of webtoons because webtoons yeah. has been wow. around for quite a while now, I believe. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine you'd only see that that kind of offering expand as time goes by, as the format <laughs> tends to embrace something obviously a little more non traditional than what we see now, because <laughs> that's how things go with innovation. People innovate and change things. So that's that's yep. not a bad thing. All right. Well, Salma Hayek. Can't say this hurts my feelings. <laughs> uh, confirmed she signed for multiple uh, Marvel Studios movies and obviously we don't want to get into spoilers uh this deep this early on uh obviously Salma Hayek's character of Ajax uh which is weird because that was the name of the the head tough in the movie The Warriors which I absolutely love I mm-hmm. think you guys know the, the 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 comic I'm talking about well this and came out but Kirby created her in 1976 so I'm sure right. the Warriors took it from that uh, yeah I would be surprised and it was pretty close the Warriors came out in 79 so it was pretty close okay but the Warriors was based on a comic, or at least it appeared to be. I don't know. I'd have to look at the Lords of Flatbush. <laughs> Why not? There you go. Oh, I mean, I'm pretty goodness. sure that uh, that Kirby took it from Ajax, the great, the Greek hero. So, oh yeah, I was, believe so. There would yes. be the OG Ajax. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The pantheon of eternal based on the gods. Yes, like Fina. Yeah, yeah. details, but anyway, not surprising that Disney would want. Uh, someone with you know massive star power like Sama Hayek uh, mm-hmm. to be in a multi-picture deal, but it does beg the question: What does that look like? You know, uh, not necessarily alluding to the character, but there are characters that that uh, don't make it through the Eternals. Not saying she's one of them, but uh, regardless, I don't know. I mean, I I love her as a performer. I've loved her in many things. She's she's glorious. She's a beautiful woman. I think she's a great actress. She's she's um, my celebrity crush. Yeah, she definitely makes. And uh, Todd gets a little little uh, green around the gills when our friend John and I talk about a hall pass list, but she happens to be on mine. Sorry, ever since from that. dust till dawn, when she made her Hollywood debut. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, it was uh, was uh, Robert Rodriguez film. She made her debut in that. Oh, De- Desperado, where we saw yeah know, more, mm-hmm. more of more of her. Mm. I mean, well, I'm going to anyway. be honest. If, if I could have 100% more Selma Hayek and 100% less Jared Leto, I would be thrilled. Oh, <laughs> that, is not, Jared Leto. that is not hard to agree because with. So there, agree. Was, there was another, because they, tra- they had another trailer for Morpheus, or uh, Morbius, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, no, Morpheus. I want Morpheus in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, I might watch it then. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but then they had, what was the other trailer they had? And I'm pretty sure it was a comic trailer or something. And oh, they thought it, it was in it. Oh, was it the, 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 uh, the Gucci film? 
oh yeah, sorry, it was the Gucci film. And I was like, come on. I'm like, can we just be done with Jared Leto? Well, yeah, oh, I will yeah, say he, he he hardly embraces being really ugly in that movie. So I guess, you know, not every actor is going to say, make me look horrible. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Oh, my goodness. But yes, more Sama Hayek is a good thing. But again, we will talk a little bit, obviously, more about Eternals and what that all really means with the classic Ajax, not the stuff you use to clean the kitchen. No, no, no. Okay, well, last story, Charlie, uh, is an interesting one because, as we know in comic books, no one stays dead. And apparently no one can stay alive. So it's a balance of the living and the dead. Well, apparently DC wants to kill Superman off again. And, and uh, you know, at this point... Exactly. They've killed Wolverine off. He comes back. Uh, apparently, they're thinking about doing the same thing with Superman. Um, it, you know, back in the day, 1992, I remember when the story line came out, it gave Superman buzz again. It was right. a big deal, made all the headlines, the special issue with the black neoprene uh, uh, bag. They had it, and everybody was buying multiple covers because that will put my kids through college. Well, right, if you look at the value of those comics today, I think they're worth maybe like 25 bucks. If that, that's still pretty good value for like three bucks. That's right. that's an eight X, uh, you know, investment. So you right. can you can so buy what, a keg for a party what, at a college. Yeah, what what are you complaining about? Twenty five dollars might almost get you a tank of gas. Be excited. <laughs> exactly. So I, I guess they're they're teasing that they're going to bring the storyline back um, with Action Comics ten thirty six. Uh, it says after learning an enslaved race with mysterious Krypton, Superman and Authority travel across the galaxy to dethrone the new Mongol and liberate War World, introducing new characters and new corner of the DC universe. The biggest Superman event since the death and return of Superman begins here um so this could be interesting you know i mean and a lot of has happened with superman the last couple of weeks we, we found out um his uh, son uh came out as either bisexual I, I can't remember but lgbtq i can't remember his his orientation i thought it was bisexual but i could be wrong well i don't know if he specifically claimed it in comics um, sure we do know that now he has dated both individuals who identify as men and okay. individuals who identify as women. So we can just okay. say that he's queer. We're queer there we go. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I know everyone jumped, everyone jumped to the conclusion, conclusion. It was Kal-El, Clark Kent, and it was not. So it was once again, it's a lot of people grab these headlines to get the narrative, like cancel, you know, they're, they're ruining Superman or whatever. No, it was not that. And this is uh, Jonathan Kent's a great new character. He's awesome. Uh, it's kind of weird that Superman now has an adult son. He was a younger kid in the Super Sons series, which I loved a lot. They aged him up because of something. So it's kind of interesting now that you have more of a super boy, man, teen, super teen. Yeah. Uh, So you never know. Right. Yeah. But he's been a great character. I've really enjoyed it. And it just expands Superman's humanity to have him protect not only his wife, but his son. Uh, So I like this. So but he's going to be involved and he's got more in the line because of his son being also in the the line. So um, I guess we'll see how this works. But it doesn't hurt to give Superman some more buzz. And if it's fun and it's a good story. Who cares? Well, it's it's a good follow. Yeah, it says that Action Comics uh, 1036. And again, it's crazy comics that are up over a thousand numbering that when they actually stick with it. Because Marvel Marvel really likes to play with that, Todd. We've had lots of uh, gags back and forth about legacy numbering. And oh, oh, it's carrying both banners. But we don't yet have a Marvel comic that's hit a thousand issues. So, Charlie, our legacy numbering is probably like 450 at this point for Secret Fortune. Yeah, Night. Well, we're, we're going to throw <laughs> Missed episodes, secret episodes, episode didn't record. Yeah, Yeah, special episodes. Right, Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, lost episodes. We got a couple of those over on uh, Code 47 for sure. But anyway, it says, yeah, uh, uh, issue 1036 kicks off the Warworld saga. 
uh, and uh, will be the most impactful saga in 30 years, obviously leading back to some deaths and stuff, things of that nature. So I don't yeah. know, Todd, I, I know that you've always been willy-nilly about Superman as far as him being boring and or relevant or having Oh, any hurtful. Yeah. I know. I, no, I like I, 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 I think Superman's a great character. I hate when people say he's not a good character. No, that means it's it's either a bad writer or you haven't read the right comics. Thank you. Yes, because I would full. I I love Superman and Clark Kent. I think both of them are great characters, and I think that he's a really great way to show humanity and the struggles of humanity in a really interesting way. And I feel like the problem is is that people go to comics for action. I mean, these are the action comics, and a lot of times those stories like. One of my favorite stories is about like is I think it was is like a one off like zero issue or a year one issue and like the whole thing is basically an internal monologue of him talking like about growing up and the struggles that he had and then like he gets a call from his mom and I think his it was that his cat had passed away. Oh and, no. Yeah, and the the thing is is that the entire comic there are these flashbacks of him growing up and there was this little white cat that sat on the porch with him and they looked up at the moon together and it comforted him while he was feeling alone and isolated. So like, and then it just ended with him looking at the moon and he, he buried this cat on the moon because he was like, I oh. want to be able to look up and see you. And oh. I was like, that is, yeah. And like, like heartbreaking, but also it showed like, it showed this loss and how he, like he tries to protect everyone and really how lonely it would be for him. And you don't like, I don't want to see him punch dark side for the 1500th time. I want like, I want to see some, I don't want to see him like die just because he dies. I mean, there was the other one where I think he died because he got overjuiced by the sun mm -hmm. and like that. Oh, all star Superman. Yes. And yeah. I thought that was a great way to Absolutely. Have him, like go out. I thought that was beautiful and it was very, very Superman. But otherwise I'm like just having him punch things like, I'd rather, I'll just watch One Punch Man. That's way better. <laughs> um, like, give me you, some existential dread with that. <laughs> absolutely. And I think with Superman, you can, just like, sorry, you, Charlie, you would agree with this, I think. The Star Trek The Next Generation and, and Star Trek, in a way, does a great way of reflecting society through the lens of sci-fi, can right. take some really good, you know, bring in an alien. Yeah. You can do the same thing with Superman as being an yeah. alien and experiencing right. things. And just, so like I said, it's a, a good writer solves all ills. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how often you've read a, a comic where you're like, the, art, the, the writing is great, the art isn't bad, but I'm going to continue to read it. How often do you read a comic because the art's great, the story sucks? Right. Mm -hmm. I typically... Leave, yeah, yeah. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, just don't care. So, well, cool. Well, I am curious to see where this goes. Uh, I have never myself been a, a stalwart reading a super, a super reading a Superman, but this ends up being something great. I got every reason to tune in, so that's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, that is. Oh, we've got a dog appearing on the show. <laughs> oh, the super dog is here. It's this the is show dog. This is Minerva Mini. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, what a doll face. Good. Well, and I, you may you may hear her on the podcast as she right. chases a ball. Who knows? And yes, <laughs> it would be a good chance that my uh, my cat Jesse will show up again as she does often. <laughs> so we are we are we are pet friendly. We are pet positive over here at SFU always. Absolutely, until my cat and my dog start fighting, which is great. Yeah. Um, so so with that, we are done with the news, and now it's time for us to get some libations with our favorite dining sensation, and that's the Geek Easy. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. 
We're sitting in the Geek Easy, the cover band's playing, drinks are pouring, and we are ready to get our nerd on. So, Katie, uh, anything you've been watching or reading that's got you uh, geeked out? Um, I have been, um, speaking of webtoons, I've been trying to catch up on Lackadaisy. Uh, it is a comic about cats in the 1920s Prohibition era. Um, and it's a great one if like you want to just kind of have fun with it. It's a little quirky, a little strange. The artwork is fantastic. That's what kind of drew me to it. Um, and it's a really great example of kind of that dynamicism of using the format in a really, really interesting way. Um, so that one's super fun. And then so are um, these cats cat bootleggers? Yeah, they're cat bootleggers. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like I said, the artwork alone should at least get you like kind of hooked on it to, to check it out because it's all yeah. done like a very um, I believe all of it's kind of like a black and white sepia tone. So it looks kind of like antique based off of like, Ooh, like photographs that. type of yeah. deal. Yeah. Very That's nice cool. style to it. Um, okay. Well, I'll need you to like uh, spell that or write that in the notes so I can look it up because uh, yeah. I'm curious. That's cool. Good. There you go. Oh, Please. see, I, I, I spell it like lax, like laxative. So <laughs> <laughs> I lose. Yeah, yeah, no, it's lax, like as in lacking a daisy, like the flower, I believe. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. One should never lack a daisy. It's no good. Anything <laughs> else, Katie? Um. I have also been, um, oh, we've been watching Inside Job, which is a I new- the same one. That was going to be mine. I didn't actually look at what yours were because I wanted to be surprised. <laughs> no, no, no. That's very good. No, so we can talk about that right now and then we can, Charlie can have the rest of it for himself. But I am there also watching Inside Job. It's a new show. It's a, it's the first like for Netflix animated. And mm. what made me curious about this uh, animated show was it's by one of my favorite creators in animation, Alex Hirsch, who did Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. I love Gravity Falls, which was so surprising is Gravity Falls is a Disney show. Uh, very fun, very much like, I don't know the best way to go. It's like Stranger Things with an uncle and the two kids. They have crazy adventures where there's like real Bigfoot, big feet and gnomes and things like that. But it's ridiculously funny, goofy, silly just but it had an overarching storyline got dark at times and had an adorable uh pig it had um jason ritter as the the lead uh as as um as the lead male and then you had a christian shawl as the sister uh who were co-leads and and they had their grunkle stan Mm -hmm. great uncle stan who's just a weird old uh codger who was also always trying to build people out of money ran like this 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 shot love the show uh, it's fantastic. One of my favorites. But he made the show, which when I watched it on Netflix, holy cow, F-bombs are dropping constantly. Oh, yes. And it's it, very much adult. <laughs> I'm so your, impressed. Gra- for, for Gravity Falls, it, it, this is not Gravity Falls. This is this, this is like if um, if Gravity Falls is an adult swim. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect designation. And Charlie, this show is about basically this woman who's like a, a leading scientist at the secret basically organization that essentially runs the country and they are hiding all the secrets. Like there's, there truly are lizard people. There are like AI they are trying to take over the world and they basically try to control everything and keep the, the American public like unaware. Uh, yes. And they have like these secret overlords they work at and it's, it's really it is, well it done. Is, it is all of the, all of the conspiracies are, are real and all it is all like the deep there are the deep state they work the company they work at is cognito inc so it's very much a play of just incognito it's very very funny that way um and what i was very surprised by is that i 
I watched the first episode and I was thinking, I'm like, how are they going to do this where they are both having characters working and confirming that all of these conspiracies are real, but then at the same time also making fun of the conspiracies that are taking place because it's very obvious that it is supposed to be making fun of the absurdity of thinking like the earth is hollow and there are lizard people that live in there. Um, and I think they, they do, I think we've watched like nine episodes at this point and I think they do a oh, wow. really, really good job of carrying that through and kind of keeping it consistent because they will make like these weird one-off lines and stuff. And like, it's a real, and they'll, it'll sound completely insane. Like, obviously, and you're like, they had to have made that up in the writer's room. And then you find out, no, that's a real conspiracy. Someone actually said that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really clever. The the jokes are coming rapid fire. Uh, the actors are great. Uh, it's got what's his name, Clark. I can't remember his name, Clark. Oh, I can't remember his name. He's the nerdy looking guy with glasses. Was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Clark Greg is that oh, his name? Clark, no, Clark Duke. Clark Duke. Clark Duke. He's in it. He plays like the 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 new guy that that the director, the, 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 the lead hates. And she's got a crazy dad who basically had a mental breakdown. It's going against the government. So he's like trying, basically whatever he's saying is true, but he's kind of crazy too. So yeah, it's, it's a really good dad. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm only in episode one. I'm like, I'm sold on this, this, this idea. So the fact that you're nine through and it's still keeping up, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I think, I think it remains very solid. Excellent. How exciting, you guys. Good stuff. Oh, my goodness. What was that? Oh, that was my chair. Or no, what is that? Is that a bird? Are you guys hearing the squeaking? That's my dog with her ball now. She's oh, that's okay. <laughs> She's like super manic right now. Erin <laughs> took her in a walk hoping it would calm her down, but I think she's just very angry that we we're gone for like three hours to watch Eternals. So oh, now no. I think she's angrily squeaking her ball at Erin right now. I'll kill you. <laughs> Give me love. Give me love. I'll distract you. Yeah. Yep, well, that's pretty I, much I, will, I, will make, I will make my recap quick and then we can move on to talk about Eternals and then you can you know satiate the the desires of this animal. So uh, uh, Katie will know that here in Grand Rapids, it's a big week because we're coming up on Grand Rapids Comic-Con. Now this is, uh, this is the, I would like to almost say the premier social event for the people in our world uh, in the state. Uh, I Absolutely. Think that, I don't think you're wrong in saying that. Yeah, I think, and, and I've known Mark Hodges, the guy who puts on Grand Rapids Comic Con <laughs> for years. He is a class A weirdo. I'm going to come right out there and say it. I don't think he listens to the show, but if he does, we'll have words. It's okay. But this guy, for all of whatever, puts on a dynamite show. Uh, my club, the USS Grand Petoskey, featured here on this beautiful piece of swag that I'm wearing. Uh, the, the international. Uh, I didn't realize we could just do like blatant plugs like that. Well, what, what, why <laughs> else would start throwing merch out all over the place? Why, why else would anyone bother to be podcasting at all? And the fact that they can make a couple bucks. But anyway, yeah, our club, the International Star Trek Fan Club of West Michigan, the USS Grand Petoskey, uh, for the second year in a row, uh, we're going to have a great display set up. We have a new prop uh, that I'm not trying to spoil, but by the time you listen to this, if you are local to Grand Rapids, you'll know that it's out there. So please come down and see it. But we love engaging with uh, with Star Trek fans, talk to people about our club. Uh, my wife, and it's something that my wife and I do together. Which is, in marriage, how often do you really run into that? You know, it's it can sometimes be few and far between that you can really have a passion to share, and that's what makes it that much more important to us. So I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, plus, I get to be with all of my all of my geek friends, my my cosplay friends. Uh, and I don't talk a lot of cosplay in the show because Todd doesn't let me, and that's fair. 
That's fair because I don't let him talk about video games. So we have a we have an agreement. But I get to I get to connect with with cosplay friends. Of course, get to enjoy great merch, great artists, and stuff like that. So I'm very excited. But again, April and I are we're, we're workers in this, so we, we're spending most of Thursday getting set up. We work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then we break down, and then we collapse on Monday. We have Monday off because we're just gonna vegetate because it is just we're we're working the entire thing. Uh, not only that, we took on at the request of the events promoter, uh, being t- changing out of Star Trek gear and getting into superhero gear to promote this 5K run that the uh, that uh, the the con is putting on with the uh, the state games uh, that Meyer puts on. So it's just there's a lot going on. Uh oh. Did we freeze? No, nope, I'm here. Out. Oh, we had a drop out. Okay, well, <laughs> make a note of it. But anyway, very excited, uh, super fired up to do that. Um, and if you're hearing my voice, if you're in Grand Rapids, come on down. We have a lot of fun. We would love to see you. So, so I, I do have a question. I'm I don't live in Michigan anymore. Um, so obviously, Grand Rapids Comic Con. Is Motor City Comic Con still the big thing? Because I know that's that's been huge, been there for years. It draw it's a bigger part of the state, right? So it, it is, and I would say, you yeah. know, I, I I can't necessarily speak uh, to if it's bigger, if it's smaller. I know I went to Motor City Comic Con back in 2019. Todd, you and I went to you and I went to that show back in the 90s, and mm-hmm. it was it was when comic you know Comic Cons were about comics. It wasn't necessarily about celebrities or any other thing. That was great. I did not really enjoy my experience at Motor City Comic Con back in 2019. That's not to necessarily discount anyone else's enjoyment of it. I know it just happened a couple of weeks ago. I didn't go. Um, And maybe it's perhaps because I live here in this area. Apparently, you have no bias whatever when it's Grand Rapids, man. You're like Mr. Grand Rapids. So I I take what you say with I know it's your love. I just think they have Elijah Wood. They have Ice-T. They have have big names going there. So it's it's a different experience. It's it's true. I'm a Detroiter as well. You know that those are my roots. I did attend that show, but I didn't feel it was I didn't feel it to be as smooth of an experience. Well, you weren't involved in it either. So you're you're once again, you're biased, man. You, you've been going. You're part of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yo, Katie, chime in. What do you think? Have you attended both? Do you have I, I have not been to Motor City Comic Con um, in specifically because um, in doing research as an artist, because I did have um, a booth that I was running for my fan art for quite a few years. Um, the feedback that I was hearing from artist communities and their experience at Motor City um, was not the best. And a lot of like the same stuff that Charlie was just saying is that it was very unorganized. Um, the sales were not great. Um, and that it was just kind of just, and it was very, very expensive to go. Like the, their booth charges were, I think like twice as much as what, um, Grand Got it. was charging if I remember correctly. Right. And the, it seemed yeah. like the audience wasn't like that different in size, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, that I mean, granted, like right. my, yeah, my first time going to, um, or no, I take that back. I think the, the second time going to Grand Rapids, I, I was the badge artist. So um, right. I, I had a different yep. experience on the right. second time, the second go around. But it was like, and like you said, you know, Mark, I've had a great experience with Mark. Um, he was very, very personable every time I worked. Even when I was just there as an artist, like he was going out of his way to say hello to me, to make sure that I was, you know, taken care of. And as someone who's running a con that's got, you know, tens of thousands of people walking through the doors. Right. I, always, I thought that was very impressive. 
Right. And, yeah. and I was I, I was just looking at the guest list. It seems like they may be more like a I, I, wizard I, I, world type. So it's a little bit more. And, and the artists always right. get screwed in those type of marriage versus the smaller shows. Like we like in Minnesota, we are doing some. We had Wizard World. We've done some things like that. Now yeah. they're going to a new con, which was small this year. They're trying to try to make it better. But we have a lot of local stuff, too. So mm-hmm. I understand it. And, and yeah, that balance between big names and things like that versus right. smaller, more, uh, you know, more local artists, things like that sort of thing. So I, I was just looking, cause I just remember Comic Con, did the Motor City Comic Con being one, a major show and Grand Rapids Comic Con is growing. So it's, right. it's a little bit different. So, you know, yeah. and I would say it's funny cause I saw Mark yesterday cause I worked at Toy Show in Jackson with yeah. my friend Miranda and Mark was also a vendor. So we were chatting quite a bit about, he has really struggled to get uh, guests to attend uh, because of COVID, you know, we're still kind of, kind of coming out of that yep. fog. Um, but again, there is such a desire for people to congregate and just to to see each other, you know, in the cosplay aspect and just to, to do vendor things and participate in gaming events and stuff that I think it's going to be massive. So, again, you know, for, for those of us who really belong to the community like Katie and I do in particular, mm-hmm. it's it's a very big deal. So I'm, I'm very, very, fi- very, very fired up to do that. Second, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Se- secondly, and again, we've not watched this. I've got uh, my mother is staying with us right now and she doesn't like. Things that are scary and violent, but the new uh, the new Dexter series is out, and my wife loved Dexter, so we're dying to watch it. But I got to make sure it's after Mom goes to bed, uh, so that we can tune into it. But no, I'm fired. I'm fired up about that. I actually thought it was coming out uh, on the twelfth, but I guess it's out now. That's what show. That's what the pop up on Roku told me. So I have Showtime through Paramount Plus because it was a bundle to put it together. So uh, so we'll be sitting down to. Tune into that. You know, Dexter's is a, is a series that a lot of people really bitch about how it ended. It was very abrupt. Uh, then again, after watching The Sopranos, I don't think there could be more of an abrupt ending than there was to that show. Um, Did but, Tony Soprano drive off in a boat into a hurricane? I can't remember. That, no, at the end of that show, uh, the family was having dinner. No, and, I, it's a joke, yeah, Charlie, because everybody I said the it. ending of it was so ridiculous. It was kind of just, <laughs> what the hell just happened? I so, mean, yeah. Whatever, I guess. But at any rate, yeah. The ending of The Sopranos was like, ah, oh, come on, man. And it's somewhat analogous to, to the way the decks were ended. But I'm got excited. It. Again, I love that show. I'd never seen it till April when I got together. She's like, oh, you got to watch this. And it's about, yeah, Dexter is, he is a uh, forensic pathologist with the Miami Police Department. But he's also a serial killer who exclusively kills criminals or basically ne'er-do-wells who sli- slip through the cracks of society and get away with crimes. Dexter then gets them and kills them, chops them up, and throws them in the ocean. Right, wrong, I don't know. Tato, anyway. Tato. Uh, yeah, exactly. Deo. Yeah, exactly. So, so, Charlie, before we pivot off of this, we need an update on Roku. Uh, I've not had any issues. I've not tried uh, to do Dune again. Um, I, I did just listen to our episode from last week, so I'm giving more thought to just being a little like, I have a smart TV. Maybe I should use it, but I've had that particular like the functionality of that smart tv really kind of jacks me back and forth so to speak so i don't know i don't have a great update uh but you're really telling me that upgrading my roku is the way to go so i'm going to keep that in mind if your roku is older than like three to four years old get it because once again they're cheap no it's usually it's usually about a year or two they fart out so i get another one oh okay well i would say the ultra go go higher end and they're better. That's the one I have. And you get it for like 60 bucks this this holiday. So, yeah. Or at all fills, AirPlay. 
Put it up there. Okay, okay. Super easy, barely inconvenience, as they would say. Oh, well. Uh, Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, Good to know everybody's having fun in the world of nerd. Uh, Charlie, good luck with uh, Grand Rapids Cap Account. Oh, as well, Katie, to you as well. Uh, Have a great time, guys. We will do it. All right. Well, let's uh, take it from here. Let's uh, hail down a Uber to get to the apart- uh, to get to the airport to go to the land down under to get to the Thunderdome to talk about the Eternal. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered to Fort. Well, God. Oh man, talk about a screw up. Let me start over again. <laughs> Mm, I will edit that out, Charlie. Uh, let's try that one again. Man, only 350 episodes. You know, I'll get it right one of these days. Oh, well, we'll go there. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. This week, we are doing our review of The Eternals. Uh, spoilers are ahead, so watch the movie, then come back, please. So with that, you've been warned. Now we're going to get into this. The Eternals... Uh, is based on a comic book from 1976 by Jack Kirby. Essentially, they are a uh, fictional extraterrestrial race of humanoids appearing in American comics by Marvel. They're described as an offshoot of the evolutionary process that created sentient life on Earth, uh, which leads to the inevitability of war against the destructive counterparts, the Deviants. The Eternals, of course, were created by Jack Kirby. This was kind of his take on the new gods. Right. So, uh, which was which was a precursor to this as well. Um, and then the actual synopsis for the movie is the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who live on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Yes. So, uh, the Eternals was directed by uh, Chloe Zhao. It's starring Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Camille Nanjiani, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Barry Keough, Don Lee, Harish Patel, Kit Carrington, Salma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie for a budget of $200 million, 157 minutes, and currently at $161 million box office worldwide. There we go. So that gets you up to what The Eternals is. Now we're going to talk about the actual movie that we watched. Um Charlie, you saw this on Friday? Thursday night. Thursday. Thursday night. Ooh. Yeah, was, opening. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, otherwise engaged on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so I knew I wasn't going to make it. Uh, so, yeah, I did snag that. And even though April was having her class, I had to go solo. But my buddy Joe joined me, so we got to have a hang and watch this movie. And, yeah, we watched this movie. Okay. Uh, I saw it on Saturday. My wife had said she wanted to watch it, but I said, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes aren't great. Let me gauge it to see if it's good. I will see it, gladly see it again with you if you want to see it, or maybe take a friend, take Logan, if you want to do that separately. So I watched it on Saturday at 11. So, man, long movie, like you said. But uh, we'll talk about uh, what I thought about in a second. So, Katie, when did you see it? I literally got... Uh, about like a half or half an hour before we started. I think I walked through the door like 10 minutes before we went on. So we started the movie showtime was four 30 this afternoon. So, Holy wow. shit. yeah. You, so I am fresh gonna, off of it. Have <laughs> so, take, I would almost say Katie should be driving the bus. Oh no, I have ADHD. So I'll be about where you guys are. <laughs> well, well, hopefully between the three of us, we can at least get on the same page of what happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of like where we see this landing at the end. So let's kick this off. So this movie, as I said, was long, but I think that was because it had to be. This is the beginning of something different in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
essentially not touching on Marvel at all, except for a couple of mentions. It is essentially establishing a very complex, indifferent type of thing that Marvel has not had before. Um, so that's the heavy lifting and telling their story. Uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy was the last group that they introduced in a movie. But that group was an establishing like a lot of mythology. It was just here's your crazy cast of characters. They're mercenaries. Go. And they're goofy and they're funny. and There's a cool soundtrack. Less heavy lifting to do. It was funny and fun. So that gets people in the door. This movie was not trying to be that. It was definitely uh, a more of a cinematic experience based on the director. The cinematography, beautiful, uh, uh, complex characters, the Eternals, as Charlie, you and I have talked about this. There's never been a successful Eternals book. They don't have a lot of uh, resonance with any type of fan base. And we have struggled to find a good comic book that's like, this is what's great about the Eternals. Not of snoozers in a way, not really endearing. None of the characters stick out as being like, oh, they're great because of X. Um, so I think that's part of the the difficulty they had. So I think that was part of what the movie had to do was establish these characters, give you a reason to care outside of the fact that there really is none of your favorite Marvel characters or drops. Right. Uh, and I would say through the whole movie, there was nothing here for anybody that loves a Marvel movie at all. The end of the movie credits, anything in this movie was shown, essentially all new to almost 100% of the audience, unless you're deep dive into the comic lore. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, and even backing up those last two scenes, you're like, okay. Yeah, unless you're like, I like, I got it, and I got that, and I totally get this, because I've been reading Marvel comics since I was six. I got it. But to your average MCU person who saw the Avengers in 2012 and you're like, oh, I'm all about this. This is the greatest thing in the world. I'm, I, I feel like it would be a complete miss. I agree with you. That, that's, the, the stingers in particular. Absolutely. So, Katie, uh, you have I don't want to pass judgment on your experience with the Eternals, but uh, from your, your viewing of this and, and your experience with it, I mean, uh, is this something you felt like, did I miss something or do you feel like, I, I, I got it as a concept. Um, okay. I now, and granted, like I had heard kind of the synopsis of what, like I had read a few things like talking about, you know, like um, Cha was directing it and, you know, the big cast and all that stuff. So I knew some of it going in as far as, you know, they were created by Sentinels, they're fighting the deviants. Cool. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to be honest. And I know that I might be on the outs with this, <laughs> um, but I didn't know, like I knew Kirby created the Eternals. I've never read the comics. Um, I'm actually a little disheartened to hear that the comics aren't that great because I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if I should go back and find some of the comics. Um, hopefully they take some of, you know, what was created in the movie and, um, you know, push that forward and bring that into the comics. I would love to see that. Um, but I thought that, you know, especially for having a big cast, like you said, with Guardians of the Galaxy, that was very much a very easy story to tell. Like I even feel like in guardians of the galaxy two, when they tried to do a heavier narrative with his dad and everything, it got kind of weighty um, Mm -hmm. because that's not what you really went to those movies that you didn't go to that movie for that, where this one I felt was a little bit more grounded in the way that it was trying to express the characters. And, you know, and I was actually thinking about like the Superman dilemma we were talking about of him being a human character and his stories are best when you're showing up humanity. And I felt like that was kind of the duality they were playing with in the movie. But that's yeah, I also uh, feel like it'd be a better TV show. Uh, yeah, in a way. <laughs> well, and it's yeah, funny because the, the breadth of the story. Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and Charlie, we remember how much we were interested in, in um, the Inhumans when they were going to launch that uh, mm-hmm. TV series back in the day. Ooh. 
Yeah, and it had a lot of missteps. And I think, well, the problem, I mean, that was before we had the, well, was that the same time that we had the Netflix Marvel series as well? Or yeah, was that it before? Was, it, it, was, it was intermingled, and obviously the Inhumans was on okay. ABC. They tried to turn mm-hmm. it into a big cinematic event. Who's like, oh, it's an, it's an IMAX. I was like, at the time, I was like, oh, maybe we should go check this out. It was so shitty. I cannot even imagine yeah. What that would look like on an IMAX screen. I, oh, it would have been terrible. The, the thought of it actually makes my sphincter tighten up. I'm not down with that. Well, and it wasn't yeah. even that, the, that it looked bad. It was everything about it was bad. The acting bad. was bad. The writing was bad. The CG right. was bad. Like everything right. about it is was it, just yeah. Terrible. It would have. I think it would have really hurt to see it on a huge screen. You would have been like, oh my yeah, eyes, the butt, my yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I was saying like, if in humans, which I would say. In the comics, they're more beloved. They've had some better runs. I was thinking, well, if that succeed, if that failed, then the Eternals are much more in the comics. They're far more remote. They are not right. like no, no, endearing. There's, there's nothing to fall back on. That's the big. They reason. don't even have a lot of like personality. I mean, the Neil Gaiman run I thought was one of the best, but they they le- they leaned on the. Oh, they've been they don't know who they are and they're discovering that they're inhumans. So it's kind of that trope. You know, you get like, oh, I'm secretly someone discovering that you were them. And this one didn't do it. These Eternals who were sent to Earth to protect it from the deviants. That was their mission. And eventually, once they killed all the deviants, they were going to move on and uh, essentially were get called back by the Celestials. Um, so that's kind of the premise here. And now they have to come out and why they didn't, because, uh, basically they never have not, they have interfered with humans a little bit because they lived among them. They revealed who they were. They got some technology from them, but they didn't solve wars. They talked about that. I think it made sense. The approach. Um, now my question to you, I want, I want a thought on this. If Thanos can snap and take, uh, 50% or whatever of the life forms off the planet, Right. Or, or the oh, universe, whatever. Right, the whole thing. So, they didn't cover that any of the humans were impacted by it, as or far as Eternals? I know. The, the Eternals. Oh, sorry, the Eternals. Yes. Well, the or, is the, or the Inhumans. Yeah. The, the Eternals. Yeah. You know, and this is you know obviously heavy spoilers. The Eternals aren't technically organic, so I would Absolutely. say that they probably didn't count. Well, they're organic, right? Because they are organic. They they have blood. They do things. They're engineered, right? So um, they were creations of the Eternals, or sorry, Celestials. So yes, but are they? To Katie's point, are they considered to be organic life forms? Therefore, I think so. I mean, organic. They have they have they have carbon. They have cells. They they but they're they're basically genetically engineered to not age, not anything. So they're a different type of life form in a way. But I even, say they also even, like well, then yeah. they kind of compared them like even in their creation and their manufacturing, like it seemed like they were taking more of like an android, like you know maybe yes. like the Terminator man and machine type of aspect yeah, maybe a cyborg or yeah, yeah so, something maybe, yeah, like, yeah, kind of controlled you know like you know intelligent design type of deal is the way that I took it yeah, kind of like well, an Asimov like uh, right. construct AI has feelings things like that but yeah so that that was one of my questions like so wouldn't have like that wouldn't have like 50 percent of them gone away but apparently not so but you know and it could be the random like like well maybe 50 percent, maybe one of them did go away who knows but um it was you know it was it was danced around the whole thanos issue was touched and again we saw just very brief mcu related touches like you know you see uh a kip harrington's character of dane whitman who is the Black Knight? Sorry, the big mm-hmm. the big sword at the end was the spoiler. Uh, but the, the Black Knight is a classic Avengers character. He was part of the run in the '90s, which also included Cersei, actually. 
Uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they had a brief romance actually in the in the comics, though. In, in that run, Crystal, who's one of the Inhumans, ironically, uh, was the bigger love interest for for the Black Knight during that run. Uh, but then again, this that was also the leather jackets era, and the Black Knight had a lightsaber. So oh, so Dirk I, must have been really big then. Right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> with, yeah. his, with his leather jackets and fruiting. <laughs> Not a great run. Yeah, leather jackets <laughs> with the sleeved rolls up. You know, you got to yeah. be cool and extreme. Well, yeah. and I, I'm right in because I, Katie, I've talked on the show before about how I'm, I've, I've done a complete read through of the entirety of the Amazing Spider-Man, which is up to almost 900 issues. I've read them all. Uh, so I said I want to do the same thing with the Avengers, but I've really gotten snagged because I got really snagged in a, a run in the early 70s was too hard to read and then now i'm back in that 90s run which i read when i was a teenager but trying to do it now it's like it's it's very difficult and i've got another 25 years worth of comics to catch up or at least 20 uh because i still read it currently so it's just not that easy but that run was bad it was black knight cersei and crystal were the three main female characters all with matching brown leather jackets but (laughs) short kind of rolled up sleeves kind of just oh yeah, Marvel the 90s had some hard times, and I would yeah. say, Charlie, it, it, being a completionist is fine, but that's a lot of time wasted on things that aren't very good. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's not, it's not something I'm racing to finish, but in the completionist aspect, in my lifetime, I will get there because it's important. Okay. Because I did okay. the Amazing Spider-Man. I'll put, I'll put that on your tombstone. Read all the Avengers, regretted 50% of it. <laughs> yeah, Thanos, Thanos, the Thanos snap, yes. Exactly. exactly. You can snap half of the bad stories. So, right. I mean, so it is an interesting point. We did have these spoilers, and, and we'll get into that at the very end. Um, I will say I enjoyed the film. Uh, and Charlie, I told Charlie, I'm like, I'm not in on the Eternals, but maybe this is the opportunity they have to make this Eternals version the best version of Eternals, because the comic book source material has literally done nothing for anybody. So I'm like, you know what? The worst thing it can do is start from scratch, go from there and make these characters interesting. And I think that's where they succeeded. Mm -hmm. They gave these characters personalities. They made these characters a family. And I think this is done more so than any other Avengers uh, MCU film. This is a family that has lived together for 7,000 years. They had emotions and relationships and drama and, uh, you know, betrayals, they separated and they came back together. And I don't think people, I I think people took that away from this film, that this was truly about a family that, you know, ultimately was torn apart at the very end, you know? And yeah, yeah. I I would say without a doubt, you know, and again, I I have mixed emotions about this film. It wasn't really a powerhouse like the Avengers were, where the Avengers were people thrown together in different aspects. And obviously a few of them knew each other and a few of them didn't. And they were definitely at odds. But again, you think about, your own family. I mean, Todd, you have you have a complicated relationship with your sister. I have a complicated relationship with my brother. You know, mm-hmm. pluses and minuses. You know, I have you know it's the same thing in my mom's family, my dad's family. There's always family dynamics are always totally jacked. Um, but you got to see through the lens of this film these characters who have known each other for seven thousand years, at least in their their current recollection of incarnation. But as the film continues to explain that they've always held these role and they're these quasi, you know, cybernetic organisms and maybe they're not all working towards the same goal. And that's ultimately what we see with Icarus, you know, closer to the end of the film, um, that it's family and family is jacked and family will break apart and not see each other and still come together and have the same goddamn arguments they always have because things don't get resolved. And so that 
that resonated with me probably more so than any other issue. Yeah, in well, this movie, I would say that was the nice thing is that because we keep having these kind of repeated like found family stories with the Avengers and with Guardians of the Galaxies, where it's you know these unlikely folks that are thrown together and they somehow make it work. Well, this was you know in in all extensive terms, this was the literal family. Like they were created together, they were born together, they were meant to be together, and so this is more about a story of an estranged family right. versus a found family and like trying to follow that dynamic and work through those disagreements. And sometimes it didn't work out so well for everyone. RIP Ajax. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but um, watching that go through it and, you know, and like at, at the end, you know, you, you see like, you know, Icarus regretting his decisions and that sort of thing. But, you know, they're just kind of like sitting there like, okay, well now what do we do? Because they know that, you know, like it's like when a family member makes a mistake and you're like, okay, I guess I'll forgive you because you said you're sorry, but it still is there. And so you're not really sure what to do. And right. I, I, I liked True. the weight that was there. It felt very, again, it felt very grounded. And like, I really, there were a lot of scenes that I really, really enjoyed where it felt like there were stakes there, even though I'm like, this is the MCU. No one's going to like, no one's going to die. So, but right. even like with the um, the scene in the Amazon where they're being attacked by the, um, the deviants and like the one has uh, like grabs Icarus by the head and he's like flashing his eye beams. Like it felt very like, I was like, that's Superman. That's the Superman I want to see. Mm-hmm. That's, right. that's the struggle yeah. I want to see right there. Right. And I'm like, how is Marvel doing a better Superman? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, we did have consequences. We had mm-hmm. two yeah. of the main Eternals die. Uh, mm-hmm. We had one Eternal who essentially, and I'm not sure 100% with Thena, if she will still have those issues um, continuing on because of the different. So she was the one that maintained men- uh, memories that was mm-hmm. conflicted because all this came down to it was a lie that they were basically Ajax. And I, I didn't understand why Ajax continued on being the consistent one versus being recreated. I don't know if she, cause she had to continue to be the leader in charge. Yeah. Well, I think it wasn't okay. that she was, I think her memories were still wiped. It's just, she was, it's kind of like, you know, the general who gets the full, like gets mm. all of the declassified information or the secret information versus the soldiers who are just given orders. So I think she sure. was given the full scoop or at least that's how I okay. kind of saw it. And I would have liked to know how Icarus had found out. I don't know if it was that like Ajax just confided in him because he kind of was like the second in command or how that worked out specifically, but I would have liked to know a little bit more. And that's where I feel like, even though like I do, I did really, really enjoy the film. I think that having it where we could have done it like a five series arc on Disney plus. Now, if I remember correctly, this movie was announced before Disney plus was really so much. a thing. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can understand they were like, "Mm, we already said it was going to be a movie, so it's going to be a movie. Um, But I would have really loved to see it so that there would have been some time to like really spend with these characters, especially because I'm going to be honest, I was not expecting like, I I enjoy Angelina Jolie. Like um, I watched Maleficent specifically because I just loved her, like her look and her portrayal. But I was like, I don't know how she's going to do in a superhero movie. But one of my favorite characters, not and not just because she was like, I she was the goddess of war, and I love Athena and Greek mythology, um, mm-hmm. but I also just absolutely loved her character. I thought it was an amazing character, and she did an amazing job. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because you think of Angelina Jolie as more not a bit player. She was a yeah. bit player in this. She was not a, a, a lead role. Jenna Chan, uh, Gemma Chan uh, yeah, was yeah. the lead a lead actor, apparently, in this mm-hmm. film. And we had a lot of interesting uh, dichotomy between the different actors. I thought the cast was very strong. I like mm-hmm. the, the the dynamics between the actors. Very good. Um it, like I said, it was a long movie, so I think that's a lot to digest. Um, the action scenes, though, that last action scene between yeah. Icarus and characters, I was really impressed by it. I thought it was one yeah. of the best ones because it was finally seeing all of their powers culminating. Um, mm-hmm. Byron Tyree Henry, fantastic character, wonderful, protecting his family. He's got mm-hmm. a lot on the line, more so than anyone else. So to see him come forward and actually not, not thinking he's the powerful one. And he's mm-hmm. the one that actually takes out Icarus was yeah. amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it. I saw. I think this was a really cool way to show these characters. But once again, I think the problem with this movie is, in a way, that, not a problem, but it was just the the unfortunate part will be the audience thinking about a Marvel film. This is the least Marvel. This is more of a DC type film of what they're trying to do accomplish, uh, and they they didn't have the jokes per second. They had some good humor in it, but it was a more of a grounded film. Mm-hmm. Took its time. To tell a story and, and quite honestly i've seen worse films where they try to do so much lore and everything else and it's like i got five minutes left to like kill the big boss or just something like right. that and i felt the like this did a pretty good job with it so yeah and and we we we're we're left in a place where i'm like at the very end i'm like okay oh this is how it's gonna end nope <laughs> uh erishim collects the remaining eternals who betrayed him essentially they're gone and then we have the re- well the rest are on a ship and doing something else right. so yeah, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I mean, I know we talked about this, uh, the spoilers, the end credits. Now we have the first one. So, uh, Katie, were you completely like, "What the heck is this going on with these people showing up?" <laughs> um, oh, with uh, Thanos's brother. Uh, yeah, Hip, Hip and Eros, aka yeah. Star Fox. Which Star it's Fox. funny they present him as Star Fox. I'm like. Star Fox is a Nintendo 64 character. Yes, he's in the comic. I'm like, it was so weird to say Star Fox versus Eros. Because, Charlie, you and I have seen Star Fox in the comics. When I looked at Harry Styles, which I thought, that's Harry Styles as as Eros. It it took me a hard minute to to pin it down. Because I was like, just on the tip of my tongue trying to figure out who that was. But I was like, wow, they fucking nailed it with this one. Because, again, Eros Eros is a... Quasi rapey character of his his pheromone ability abilities is to is to literally as said in the comics to stimulate the pleasure centers of other beings and I'm like that's very that's that's a, that's a little too Bill Cosby for me I'm they're going to have to change me. that for the movies because yeah it doesn't play in but his 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 in the comics he has a cool look and I always thought like he looks yeah. like, kind of like Wolverine with his hair this one he looks so generic and bland I'm like that's a horrible design I hope they fix it. See, now, and right. the thing is, I don't know anything about Eros. Um, so, and, but I immediately recognized Harry Styles because uh, I think it was, uh, was it Athena who asked who he was? And I I go to myself, I'm like, how do you not know Harry Styles? Come on. <laughs> come on. Like, come Watermelon on. Watermelon sugar, yeah. baby. Just, it's Harry uh, Styles. I just <laughs> but, dropped, uh, I, dro- I dropped a, uh, a 1980s uh, Avenger, a snippet from 1980s cut uh, in the, in the flow that you can see him in his, fl- his full, jumpsuit glory with the v-neck and the pointy uh wolf yeah he's got pointy hair yeah. it's very weird yeah. but he's very cool looking i always thought he was kind of interesting looking character odd goofball yeah he was never a, a character that you really like and then the other character pip he's like this just weird little troll like kind of like a hype man 
drunk half the time, a goofy character. He was always part of that cosmic Marvel. That and Drax. Was, was, he was actually buddies with Drax. It was. Yeah. It was, it was Patton, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, Patton? it was Patton Oswalt. Oh, yeah, that was that definitely man Patton Oswalt. Is my, that man is my fucking hero. I am such a fan of Patton Oswalt. Yeah, anything yeah. that I, I've I, always I, enjoyed everything that he I, does. I saw him here in town last year in 2019. God, oh, yeah, he, he's going to be here. Oh, I think I missed him. He was just here, too, and I, I would love to see him. Uh, but the funny part about, I will say, Eros, he is an Eternal. If you So this is the funny part. Thanos mm-hmm. is part Eternal, part Deviant. So it's an interesting viewpoint, too, because uh, that was an interesting standpoint. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. So we've got Pip showing up, who's kind of comic relief. Yeah. And yeah. to go back to what um, Charlie was saying about um, Eros's powers, I feel like um, selecting someone like Harry Styles was probably specifically to counter that ability because Harry is so um, comfortable with, you know, gender fluidity and like mm-hmm. kind of challenging those gender norms. So I feel like it's like, had I known what Eros's powers were, and then they cast someone who played like hyper masculine characters, and you know, if they had put like Vin Diesel in there or something, I would have been like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, what? Yeah, um, it's a bad fit. Yeah. Like, yeah, seeing someone like Harry Styles, who is much more comfortable in that flexibility, and you know, who understands that gender is kind of a concept. So I, I have a little bit of faith that they'll know kind of how to navigate that, and I'm interested to see how they play out those those powers now. Um, I do hope that the CG gets better for Pip because that was like really distracting for me. That, it was that, a little distracting, yeah. I agree. I it agree. terrible. Yeah. If you can do Thanos uh, respectably, you can do uh, Pip respectively. And this, yeah. and I hate to say this, but I, these these end credits where they have to play with things, I feel like they're playing fast and loose with them, a lot of them. Like, it's last minute. It's like, what can we do? Oh, crap, we filmed this movie eight years ago. Now what can we put in? Okay, let's do it quick on the sly, and we're in COVID times. Ah, put it in! Yay! <laughs> we landed it uh, two minutes ago. Uh, so we have that one. So that's interesting, because that means the Eternals will return. We'll have them join it. It becomes more of a cosmic thing. Where do they play? How do they 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 think but basically like once again three of eternals are dead assumed uh icarus is gone who is the presumed leader flew into this i was like that's it feels a little on the nose to me although i do have to say there's a side note because they said like they said sprite made up the story about icarus flying too close to the sun i really want to know if sprite also made up the story about cersei turning men into pigs uh that is well that's part of yeah that's true that from (laughs) mythology yes cersei did yeah is that I was like, yeah. oh, Cersei from the from the Odyssey, and then I I remember where her powers were, and I was like, oh, please tell me that was a story that Sprite made up because that would just be so. That'd great. be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, and in the article I put, there's uh, there's more information about Thanos and, and Star Fox or Eros. And it's kind of funny. And but we did get a secondary one at the very end, which was very interesting. Charlie alluded to this. The Black Knight, Dane Whitman there. He opens up the case at the very end. It is the Ebony Blade, another blade made by uh, Merlin. This blade apparently has a blood curse the more death you bring with the weapon causes the user to be insane. You heard noises from the blade. You saw the blade metal move with his fingers, but then you heard a a voice at the end. Do you know who the voice was? was, It was not Nick Fury. It was not Nick Fury. Well, okay. Well, take that back. It was, do you mean it was uh, the, um, oh, what's his face? The green dude who plays Nick Fury because we don't know. No, 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 no. 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 There there were were two, two schools of thought. Uh, my buddy sitting, you know, my, my buddy Joe, a photographer who was sitting next to me, said, "That's Marciana Ali as Blade," and that is the oh. correct answer. 
my partner, uh, Kurt, Kurt, who I went to school with, who Todd and I have had a lot of conversations with about some different celebrity interviews that he's wanted to hook us up with, said he thought it was The Watcher. So he thought the Jeffrey Wright versus Marshawn Ali, that maybe the voices were a bit similar. Maybe, so you could see how they would be mixed up. But I was totally with what Joe had to say because I thought Blade, and he's picking up the Ebony Blade, so that that really clicked with me. Yes. Chloe Zhao did confirm it was Marshawn Ali, which brings... Blade, the Daywalker, he's going to join this group and he's more on the supernatural side. And I think this could be a cool place where um, the Eternals could, well, the, 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 the Black Knight could play and could be very fun. So I think that was the other one that was just like, okay, I, I like Kurt Harrington. I think this is cool. And it could be a, another edition where he's not weighted down by the Eternals, just how he's introduced, which I think is a fun way to do it. But once again, this is a character nobody knows who he is. The voice, nobody knows that that's happening because Blade hasn't even been in a movie yet. So a little bit odd, once again, nothing really here um, to really make a diehard MCU fan that loves all of the interconnectivity kind of swooning because all these things are yet to come, Right. These are all new additions, things that haven't happened yet, and none of these characters are ones that people have an affinity for. So it's really an interesting take, and I understand why there's less buzz for this one. Although it is surprising with the Rotten Tomato score, which I will say this: Rotten Tomatoes, once again, because you get a uh, uh, just because you felt something was okay, it could be a negative. If you thought something was eh, pretty good which isn't like a, a like glaring, like fantastic, it becomes a positive. So Rotten Tomatoes takes like a, a, a mildly positive becomes a big positive. So you can have the most meh good movie become 100% fresh. So Rotten Tomatoes is a hard one to pass through. Well, Maybe Metacritic's better. They yeah. also got bombed because people, yes. were, you know, they were, they were, you know, they didn't like the fact that Cho directed it. They didn't like the fact that, you know, and I mean, I'm going to be honest. I had just a little giddy of a time when I knew that all of the dudes who were super pissed, who stand for Iron Man and don't like the fact that we're getting an Iron Heart, and you got to see that basically a black gay man was the origins of like all of the crazy technology as he's, you know, like all of Tony Stark's crazy voodoo stuff was like basically based off of him. Like, I'm going to be, I love that part. That, that made me laugh really hard. And so I think that this movie has been getting a lot of just unjust hate because some people in the comics communities are just a-holes. Well, now this is where I would say this is actually, this actually disagrees with that, Katie. I looked at the Rotten Tomato Mirror. The audience score is 81%. So this That's is like the, the, the... So they must have adjusted that because there so, was... So there's always two, there's... Well, there's always two ratings. So mm -hmm. the, the tomato meter is reviews by certified critics. So these aren't yeah. just average Joes out the street. So they're at 48%. And these are mm -hmm. verified critics who don't have an agenda against it. These are certified critics. Typically, you see the audience that bombs it or is the audience. These are average Joes off the street that do video games, things like that. It's the worst ever. I'm like, I but it's like the movie's been on an hour. How can you even have a rating for it? So right. I would say this one's a little bit different. I think people and that's where I say I think Rotten Tomatoes is a horrible score for like critical review because even someone can have some positive things to say. And it's like, eh, it's not the greatest. So it kind of skews as a negative, mm -hmm. even though it's not like the worst thing in the world. So so I would say I think it's worth seeing. You may not love it because you're a Marvel fan, but I told my wife, I think you'd find things that are really lovable about this movie. Well, I would but, definitely and not, say yeah. if, if you're not a Marvel fan, go watch it. Because like my friend who I think so too. hates Marvel movies, she doesn't watch them with me. She does not want to watch any superhero movies. She absolutely loved this movie. So I would say wow. if you're not a Marvel fan, go watch it. 
Wow. Yeah, just to divorce that that common <laughs> part of it altogether. Yeah. That, that, I think that's a valid perspective. I like that. Yeah. I, I think the, the truest part of the problem that Marvel's going to have is keeping everything linked for the yeah. foreseeable future will be harder because you have to have to satisfy those fans and things that have to still connect. And that's harder from a narrative perspective. I mean, Charlie Cannon and comics for 50 years where DC is, is, is actually, they're moving away from that, right? They've said, yeah. we're just going to make good films. They don't have to interconnect. We want to make the best Superman film. If it doesn't connect, that's fine. We want to make a great Superman film. Making everything connect is going to lead to some bad decisions. It's going to lead to some bad films. It's going to do that eventually because it becomes unwieldy because you've got to remember X happened in Disney Plus show. You got to remember this happened, what's canon, what's not. And that to me, if Kevin Feige leaves, Charlie, I don't know who can take the reins and say this is going to happen. Yeah. So, right. Who else can, who else can float the boat? Well, I mean, you that. even see that with Michelle Eilid um, being Blade because he was in Luke Cage. Right. So, right. you know, you're right. getting well, some of that weird duality where, you know, they're like, okay, well, you know, this stuff isn't canon. And, you know, and even that was mixed signals at, you know, certain points. Yeah. Well, and it, what you, it, when uh, Alfrey Woodard, it was the same, she was also in Luke Cage and then had a cameo in Civil War mm-hmm. uh, as the woman yeah. who kind of kicked off Civil War. Yeah. So, uh, well, and then yeah. we, we said about uh, Salma Hayek being in more Marvel movies. I'm like, how? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Is right. it flashbacks? I don't know. Right. All yeah. flashbacks all the time. Uh, so let's give a score for this movie. You know, we'll, we won't do Rotten Tomatoes. We will truly make it known what we our feelings are, and they won't be certified fresh because, you know, we're, we're pretty fresh people. Uh, so, Katie, what would you give it out of a 10 uh, Celestials? Celestials. <laughs> um, off the tongue. You know, I'm going to say, and this might just be the hype that I just saw it, um, so maybe on my second watch I won't love it as much, um, but I'm going to say, like, probably – nine out of 10 celestials. Cause I think this might Ooh. be my like next favorite Marvel movie. Wow. Like I really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought they had a lot of heart to it. Hey, Charlie, I would say, you know, I'm not, I, I, I may be more, I, I may be actually more engaged after the, having this conversation and hearing Katie's perspective about the found family. So where I might've been middle of the pack and our, my friend Kurt, who saw it in advanced screening, cause he's a journalist was absolutely kind of crapping all over it. I actually think I might land this at like a six or a seven for me. I thought that part of it, I, as funny as I get older and I tend to tear up at more things as I'm watching movies, particularly thinking about families and fathers and sons and whatever, is that seeing stuff like this really touches me. So that part of it alone, and again, Katie, I think you really nailed it on the head and maybe helped me appreciate it in a different way, makes me feel a little bit more strongly that this was this was a better film than initially I might have given it credit for. So uh, we'll call it a 6.5. I'll, I'll give this one an eight because the family connection did the Sprite character specifically. I didn't talk to this earlier. Talk about a heartbreaking tale trapped in a teen's body in love with the male uh, following him, betraying her family to follow the person she loves. That was that was really in the losing basically her uh, uh, immortality to have a normal life. That was a great moment. And I liked the, the relationship that she did. She had with uh, Camille's character. So mm-hmm. I, I really I think those elements really played it out for me uh, as a Marvel movie, though. I would give you a different role. I, I'm like, this is a connecting to the MCU and things like that. I'm like, this would be probably the lowest film, uh, but from a film itself. So that it, it's hard to have two ruling uh, thought processes in this so I, I get it but it's like those people that love DC films that don't connect and I'm like I get it uh, you like a movie for what the movie is so oh well that is it 
for the show. Katie, once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell people where they can find you on um, the interwebs. Because last time I got a couple <laughs> things from you and I'm like, where can we actually find you? So, <laughs> Well, like, I got kind of thrown for a loop because I was like, oh, right. People might actually want to like follow me or something. That's weird. Um, <laughs> right? Right? Um, so you can find me on Twitter at, um, at QT Geek and that is a Q underscore T Geek. Um, and then you can um, find me on Instagram at uh, Quintessential Geek. And that's Quintessential Geek. Very ends, Played off of Quinn, Harley Quinn. And by all means, propaganda. Uh, when you're at Grand Rapids <laughs> Comic Con, pe- show people the podcast, the video podcast, to see how cool we are as geeks. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not actually going to be at Comic Con. Um, oh no! I was I was wrapped up in my show, putting my show together, and so it completely flew past that it was even this like next weekend. I had not even thought about it until you said oh, something. <laughs> oh my god! Well, please come down, and if you can find a way to come down and hang out at our booth, we'd love it. So. Fingers I, I say I will. I will try to see if I can get maybe like a one day pass for Sunday. We'll send a force ghost. Yes, that, yes send a force ghost. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome. And of course, you can always find me, your faithful Star Trek guy, uh, over on Twitter at vc3. Spell it out. Uh, USSGrandPetoskey.com tells us all about uh, our Star Trek fan club, and then of course all these Secret Friends Unite socials. I post on a lot of those too, so that's where you can find me. Yes, and I forgot to mention this in the Geek Easy very quickly. I did the fundraiser for Extra Life this weekend. actually streamed, uh, so you can see my video game debut there. Raised $250 for Children's Miracles, Miracles Network Hospitals. Loved doing it. Had to, Got to do some streaming with my son and a friend of mine. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitch if you want and see some of that gameplay. It was kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. I stumbled at times, but I had a great time. Spartion1998. Find me there on Twitch and at Tioxtra on Twitter for all my hijinks. And I always put things to, to out to the world at Secret Friends U. So there we are, Charlie. We are done. It's been a wrap. This has been wonderful. I'm glad we were able to record with this fantastic group. Yeah, thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for having thank me on you. again. All right. And friends, I'll tell you, as always, uh, that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. Erishim, you betrayed us. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.